from 10 to noon on 106.1 Nash Icon, WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the All-State Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics. And by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner. By Bergeron Automotive in Metairie. By LifeGate Church in Mandeville and Metairie. By Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area. John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge. By Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area. And by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports. All sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, and the Kenner Star. And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access, the Wednesday night edition here on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon. We're on the web at NashFM1061. Com. Our TuneIn app is available for you anytime, anywhere in the world for you to listen in. And of course, you can get us via Alexa. Just say, play WRKN or play Nash Icon 1061 FM. You can also listen to our podcast after each show. Go to Crescent City Sports, go to the top header category, click on more, and then click on CCS Podcast, and you'll be able to listen to the show. You can also email me, Ken, at CrescentCitySports.com. Of course, the call-in number, 504-260-1061. Stay safe. Stay dry. Be careful. Don't be on the road if you don't have to. Just listen in and enjoy the show tonight. We'll get into the sports betting on the Final Four coming up with Chris Altruda in our next segment. Of course, in this segment, let's talk a bit about What's to come? First of all, we'll get into the Pelicans a little bit later in the show. Right now, the New Orleans Saints. Andy Dalton coming on board to join the Saints. Dalton, a guy that we've seen many times. It's a one-year deal worth about $6 million, $3 million guaranteed based on the numbers we've seen. He's 34 years of age, 11 years in the league, started... His first nine years with the Bengals, then spent the year with the Cowboys, most recently with the Chicago Bears. Where does this leave the Saints? At quarterback? With Jameis Winston as the starter. In all likelihood, with this guy, Andy Dalton, as your backup. There's still Blake Bortles and Ian Book on the roster. So that's where you find yourself right now as a quarterback room for the New Orleans Saints. How do you feel about it? Well, Dalton pretty much fills the role that Trevor Simeon filled last year. Dalton's an older version, but can produce a similar result if necessary. This is a guy that started 148 games in the NFL. This is a guy that is a starter in the NFL has a winning record, 77, 69, and 2. His completion percentage isn't what you'd like, 62.2%. 
It's a little lower than obviously you'd love to have. He's thrown 226 touchdowns, 135 interceptions. With the Bengals, he played well and made a couple of Pro Bowls, actually three of those. So he was a good player at times with the Bengals. He was also a lightning rod because the Bengals could never get over the hump. And then, of course, he went to Dallas, and when Dak Prescott got hurt, he ended up starting nine games. Cowboys went four and five. With the Bears last year and their quarterback fiasco, he went three and three. That 77-69-2 record includes a 2-11 and record his final year in Cincinnati. So you take that out, it's pretty good. You know, what's the bottom line on this? Short term, smart move. And again, I stress short-term smart move. This isn't a long-term investment. The New Orleans Saints are hedging their bets about their quarterback position moving forward. That's obvious. Jameis Winston only received a two-year deal. So what that tells you about the Saints' perspective is that they like Jameis Winston, but they don't love him. If they loved him, they would have given him a long-term deal. I think they like him enough. And they put it out there to where, prove it to me, show me what you can do. And if you do, then we will be able to give you what you are looking for. I think that's kind of where we are with that situation with regard to Winston. And with regard to Dalton, look, he's the latest flavor of a backup veteran quarterback to provide insurance for you. You had Teddy Bridgewater. You had Winston as a backup to Breeze. You had... You know, I could go through the whole list. Brunel, Daniel, we could go on and on about it. The Saints have always had that guy in reserve, and it's the right thing to do. You want to have a veteran quarterback prepared and ready in the event of something bad happening, like what happened to Jameis Winston a year ago. And as for Winston, he's handled this whole situation like a champion. Said all the right things, handled all the right things, admitted uh, that it was a bit of a jolt with regard to the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, but that the Saints were upfront about it, which was good from the New Orleans perspective, and how they handled the situation. Obviously, they didn't end up landing Watson, and they went back and pivoted to Winston, and they could do so. Why? One, because they were comfortable with Winston, and they knew he could run the offense, and they knew they could win games with him. But two, because Winston on the open market wasn't a real attractive player. And that's not a criticism of him at all. It's just a matter of fact. What were the options for him? They dried up pretty quickly. So he wasn't perceived as being a top-level guy by other teams, which in retrospect really helped the Saints in their ability to be able to retain him and to retain him at the proper price. Uh, those were things that clearly were making a difference. The price point, the desire of other teams to seek the client. So the Saints were able to keep Winston. They don't hurt their payroll by and large. They go on and get a veteran quarterback in Dalton. So they have some security in that regard. And some people have asked, what about Ian Book? Well, I don't think the Saints have given up on Book. But let's keep in mind that he wasn't a major investment. He was a fourth-round pick, so there's that. Also, let's keep in mind that the one time he was thrown out there, he was thrown to the Wolves. 
That was patently unfair. No one, and I mean no one, could have quarterbacked the New Orleans Saints that night against Miami and had any chance to accomplish anything with the lack of players surrounding him. So I don't think they've given up on Book. I don't think they view him as a starting quarterback at this stage. Obviously, they wouldn't have made the deals they've made to go out and get guys. But I do think that they still want to see more of him as to whether he's a developmental project and a guy you might have a chance to play with down the road. That said, I will continue to maintain that I do think the Saints will invest in a young quarterback. The chances of it happening this year, I think, are rather slim for two reasons. Number one, it's not a great quarterback market. Number two, the Saints have dramatic needs in other areas. At wide receiver, offensive line, be it tackle or guard, and possibly tight end, even though we'll get into that topic with Taysom Hill next. Because of those pressing needs on offense, I think it's more likely the Saints go in one of the other directions on offense rather than go to quarterback in the first round this year. Then you look at the talent pool next year at quarterback and say, okay, is there a guy there that I could absolutely fall in love with? Or two, because it might take that to be able to get the guy you want based upon where you end up selecting in the draft. I think that scenario is more likely. I think it's more plausible. And I think it's one that the Saints will probably partake in eventually and play this season out with Winston and Dalton in reserve. That would seem to be the play at this point. They just need help at other spots, regardless of whether he'll play tight end or not, regardless of whether Michael Thomas comes back or not. Can James Hurst or Landon Young fill the role of tackle? Can Cesar Ruiz step up and play better like the guy they thought they were getting? Will Eric McCoy continue to progress? Will Ryan Ramchek be totally healthy and be a, a bull like he's been previously? And will Andrus Pete return? And can he actually stay on the field? Which is even, I think, a bigger question mark based upon the fragility that he's shown over the past several years. So a lot of question marks on this offense. And oh, by the way, let's not forget the running back position. Alvin Kamara is in a precarious position. There's a very good chance he's going to end up being suspended. And if that happens, you need help at running back. You got Mark Ingram, who's long in the teeth. And what else? So again, offense, offense, offense. Need, need, need. Therefore, probably not going in the direction of quarterback in the first round this year. That would be my take on the position at this particular point in time. Which, of course, leads us to the transition to Taysom Hill. And Dennis Allen making the comment that, by and large, Hill is no longer a quarterback. That he plans on using him as a tight end. And he really kind of punctuated this by making sure that people understood that he values Taysom Hill. He made the comment that when Jameis Winston is on the field, he doesn't really like seeing Taysom Hill on the sideline next to him. Translation, I want him on the field. He can make plays. And he can. You know, the whole Taysom Hill situation is so intriguing. (laughs) 
when you think about the way he's been perceived here in New Orleans, it's absolutely remarkable. But I think it's a reflection of the age we live in. He went from being the most adored player on the team and one of the most popular players on the team to being a guy that a lot of fans disliked and even hated. Why? Because the Saints gave him a large contract. Because Sean Payton viewed him as a quarterback. Because he thought he could really play the position. Because he gave him the opportunity when Drew Brees was injured. And then gave him the opportunity again when Jameis Winston was injured. And by the way, Taysom Hill is 7-2 and two as a starter in the NFL. That can't be argued with. But 62% completions, 8 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, that you can take issue with. And just the optics from the standpoint of decision-making, leadership, accuracy, timing, all those things, you just didn't see that enough to think that he would be that guy. And again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Some may have a different opinion, but it's obvious that the Saints do not view Taysom Hill in that fashion. And they're going in a different direction at quarterback. But they're not abandoning Taysom Hill. And there's no reason to hate the player or the guy. First of all, as a person, he's a really good guy. He's extremely likable, very positive. He's a good teammate. And he's done whatever the team has asked him to do. He's blocked punts. He's covered kicks. He's returned kicks. He's run the football out of running back and at quarterback. He's caught the football out of the backfield and at tight end. He's quarterbacked the team. He's done everything that they've asked him to do. And by and large, has done it well. And let's keep in mind, even if you think he's overpaid, he didn't give himself that contract. And if you want to bash the Saints organization for giving him that deal, feel free to do so. Most people target Sean Payton and blame him for it, and understandably so, because he really liked the player, as he would always say, the player. Understandable. But if you want to bash Sean Payton, feel free to do so. I find it amazing that some people are doing that today. Of course he made mistakes. The Saints drafted poorly at times. They made bad decisions, you know, last decade with free agency, you know, Jarvis Bird, C.J. Spiller, Browner, you know, you remember all of that. That's going to happen when you're in one place for 15, 16 years. But what about the right moves that were made? What about the fact that you got the three NFC Championship games? What about the fact that you won a Super Bowl? I mean, it's all about the body of work. You want to pick apart things individually, feel free to do so. Everyone's going to be found guilty. And certainly that's the case with Coach Payton. But what he did for this franchise is absolutely unimpeachable. He was terrific. And he should be thanked. And if you want to fault him for the Taysom Hill signing, feel free to do so. But don't hold it against Hill. <clears throat> that simply isn't fair. The player didn't pay himself. The player wants to play quarterback. The player thinks he can play quarterback. But the player's not going to get that opportunity. As for what he can do moving forward, look, you've seen the evidence of what Hill is capable of doing. I mean, this is a guy that if you line him up at tight end, he's undersized, 6'2", 
220. Maybe he'll gain a little weight, but you don't want him to get too big because his biggest asset is his speed. And he'll be a matchup problem. If you got a three-receiver set or a two-receiver set, he's getting the third or fourth guy to match up with him. That's beneficial. And I think it's going to put him in a position where he can be successful. He's got 34 catches for 388 yards and seven touchdowns. So he has caught the ball with a level of success. And of course, we all know he's run it well. 221 carries, 1,183 yards, and 16 touchdowns. So you can utilize him in those capacities. Does he solve your problem at tight end? Not sure. Could he be a 40 to 50 catch guy? Possibly. Can Adam Troutman emerge? Possible. Unknown. Is Jawan Johnson going to do more as a hybrid guy? We'll see. But if you do move Hill there, which is going to happen, now you have one less position you likely have to address, which is, of course, assuming that Taysom Hill is healthy. Because if he's not fully recovered from that serious Liz Frank injury, then it's a moot point. And that is, by the way, a serious injury and one that he's going to have to deal with and overcome. It's not going to be easy. He's had to deal with this previously on the college level. And it's tough, difficult. And obviously, it's one the Saints are concerned with and should be. So that is the first hurdle, the first obstacle to clear, to see if he's healthy. If he is, with respect to his abilities, he can be an intriguing guy. He gives you a hybrid like Johnson, matchup issues. If you want the extra blocking tight end to go with Troutman, who, by the way, has proven he can block, then you bring in the extra tackle, which the Saints do frequently in their jumbo package look. So you have the flexibility of being able to do that. Hill is a willing blocker, but I don't think you're going to be asking him to block 280-pound, 290-pound, 300-pound defensive ends. Not at his weight with any degree of success. But the NFL is all about matchups. Getting the matchup that benefits you and exploiting it to allow yourself to be successful. Taysom Hill obviously can create matchup problems for any NFL team that he comes across. So there's that. There's the obvious where he's concerned. He's a player that is going to give you everything he's got. We've seen that. I don't think not playing quarterback is going to impact his play. I don't think it's going to impact his attitude. He's going to be disappointed because he thinks he can play quarterback. But he's being paid extremely well here for a few more years, and he should be appreciative of that, and I think he is, and understands he's got a job at the highest level and being paid very well to do it. So I think he's going to handle this very well. And I think he'll buy in. And I think he can be successful. So all of those things are applicable. Dennis Allen has made it clear. While Dennis Allen was a disciple of Sean Payton, he obviously thinks differently than Sean Payton. He changed wide receivers coaches. He changed offensive line coaches. He's changing Taysom Hill in terms of positions. He views things differently through different eyes. And he's going to make change, even though he's going to keep some of the things the way they are. And let's keep in mind he's a defensive coach, and these are offensive changes 
that he's making. So he's doing so in consultation with Pete Carmichael and offensive coaches as well. Make no mistake about that. As we move forward, the quarterback position for the Saints is more clearly defined, and it does not include Taysom Hill. Just getting started on this Wednesday night with All Access, I'm Ken Trahan. Glad you've joined us this evening. We'll take a time out here when we return in just a moment. We'll talk about sports betting and the Final Four. Chris Trudeau will join us to do just that as we continue with more of All Access for a Wednesday night. Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Inside New Orleans, if it's New Orleans sports, culture, food. Inside New Orleans with Eric Asher is talking about it. Weekdays at 4 on 1061 Nash Icon and available online anytime at NashFM1061.com. UNO Athletics could not be where we are without the support of our hospitality partners. New Orleans is a top destination for travelers, and we are proud to partner with the top brands in the greater New Orleans area. UNO Athletics would like to give a special thank you to Embassy Suites New Orleans, Raisin Canes, the Omni Riverfront, Katie's in Mid-City, Francesca, Spring Hill Suites, Courtyard New Orleans, Papa John's, the Ruby Slipper, and the Marriott Metriette Lakeway. Ticket Smarter is glad we are back to holding live events. If you're looking to buy tickets to the best sports, concerts, and theater events, all at the very best price, look no further than TicketSmarter.com or on our app. Buying tickets at Ticket Smarter will help support children in need. For every ticket transaction on Ticket Smarter, $1 will be donated to a local children's charity. Ticket Smarter is proud to be an official partner of UNO Athletics. Ticket Smarter, a smarter way to buy tickets. Hi, Eric Ashwood, celebrity chef Scott Craig of Katie. Scott, you have to be excited about Katie's expanded second floor seating and private dining rooms. Yeah, but how about my vast local sports knowledge? You know sports, but shouldn't we be talking about your award-winning Sunday brunch? I'd rather talk about the Saints and the Pels. How about your award-winning pizza or daily specials? How about them Saints? I admit you have a great take on local sports, but what about Katie's award-winning menu? Okay, folks, I invite you to dine at Katie's. Eric and I don't have to brag about the food at Katie's. The food speaks for itself. Katie's open seven days a week in the heart of Mid-City at 3701 Apathy. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com find. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Free at ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. ZipRecruiter.com slash find. Now's the time. What's on your mind? Time to express your thoughts by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and all access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. Welcome back to the show. Ken Trahan with you on a Wednesday evening. Of course, the Final Four commencing this Saturday in Mercedes-Benz Superdome with the semifinals, Kansas-Villanova, Duke, 
and North Carolina Championship on Monday night. Joining us now to talk about what most people have great interest in, and that would be one of the potential bets for this particular game. Chris Altruda joining us now. Chris, a pleasure. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the time. Well, first and foremost, tell everybody about who you're with, Chris, and what you've been doing for them. So I work as a senior analyst for the Better Collective. We are a media group that covers sports betting and gaming news and legislations throughout the country. I have somehow gained the title of numbers nerd, if you will. So I am the person who compiles state revenue reports when not looking around at legislation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty uh, complicated explanation, but I think we get it completely. Well, obviously, there's uh, the obvious question, first and foremost, when you look at these four blue blood teams that are here, does that mean we might see a record number of bets or a record amount of money bet on these final four games? I don't know if, when you say record, do you mean national? Do you mean by state? Yes, I mean, in terms of, I mean, in terms of the NCAA final four period. I believe so, mainly because you are looking at an NCAA tournament that is the first normal NCAA tournament in three years. Recall there was no tournament in 2020 and last year was irregular in the sense that it was entirely self-contained in the state of Indiana. So in some respects, there might have been a little out of sight, out of mind to last year. This year you have, again, the normal with, with sub-regionals and regionals. And the biggest, di- the biggest difference from a betting standpoint is the fact that New York is now a mobile giant as opposed to previously when it just had retail betting in that space. So I expect that when you add everything up, it would be a national record of all time wagering on this event. So we're sitting here on Wednesday, and the games, of course, are on Saturday. And looking at things, Kansas and Duke are the favorites in these games. Would you look at either one of those as being a stronger favorite from your perspective? No, I I think that there's balance to these four schools in general. And the fact that there's blue bloods, you're going to continue to see that casual better take an interest in these last three games, regardless of who advances to Monday night. I think that the longer the blue bloods stay in this tournament, the more you retain the casual interest, the more that drives interest, the more that drives handle to the sports books. I don't think either matchup gives Kansas or Duke one larger advantage over the other i think each team is good in its own way and each team is flawed in its own way so that in some respects it makes it more challenging to wager on for for the public visiting with chris altruda talking about the final four and and betting and potential wagers on these games as you look at the way money has come in initially is is there any trend right now in terms of either one of these games not really. I think you're, you're still going to see – you're not going to really see anything start to break, I think, until Thursday and Friday when the team, you know, the teams will have their open practice on Friday. You'll have media remarks then. Maybe people begin to start looking you know, at a trend or two. I think Villanova missing – I believe it's uh, Justin Moore is going, to, is going to eventually, I think, weigh on the betting public a little bit in that semifinal against Kansas – and Duke, North Carolina, you, 
you're going to have the wager on the narrative. You're going to have the people who want to see the Coach K narrative fulfilled with him cutting down the nets. You're going to see the other half of the populace be against it and want anybody but Duke to win. So I think you're not going to see any real trends start to develop until I think you get that Friday and then you start getting that that day of game because you have you have the entire day to contemplate that wager since I believe the first game doesn't start till usually like 5.50 Eastern yep. time, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll take a little bit of time before that actually starts to take place. We see the Final Fours played in these massive buildings on an annual basis. Of course, this one in Mercedes-Benz Superdome where it's a football stadium and 70,000 people and such. And it seems to, or at least it has oftentimes had an impact on shooting because of the wide open space and the background. Does that impact the over-under for a game like this? I don't think to a very large degree. I think this this Final Four is interesting in the fact that you have a conference matchup as one of the semifinals. So I think the when when the line is, is set, I think that takes more of a precedence in that specific, in that Duke Carolina matchup more than players, you know, figuring out the shooting background, figuring out the depth. They, I mean, everyone gets an equal amount of time warming up with the with the public practice, with with the second practice. So I think that has lessened in years going forward. Additionally, more teams are playing neutral site games at large venues. I mean, everyone came here from a regional, and also teams have played games in such settings it's not it's not a novelty as much as it used to be in you know years and decades past then from the standpoint of experience realistically there's no great advantage here these are coaches i know hubert davis is a new coach but he's been around it obviously and around that program these are programs and for the most part coaches that have been in these atmospheres i would think they're going to be able to handle it pretty well right and i, and I think yeah, and hubert you know, despite Hubert being a first-year coach, as you say, Hubert's been around the block. Hubert was a player on a Final Four team. Hubert was an assistant on a Final Four staff. He, you know, Hubert sat next to Roy. So while there's some things that will be new to him, a lot of this is old hat. He also has a staff that has been to Final Fours as a player. Pat Sullivan, one of his assistants, has been to a Final Four. Sean May won a Final Four. So there's some... There's some unfamiliarity being the guy who moves one seat over, but there's also plenty of comfort in the program's success at this level. And Hubert, to his credit, since mid-February has found a groove with this team, and they've responded in kind. College basketball, has it been a sport that a lot of uh, people at bet have gravitated to is is it how does it compare to other sports in terms of people's interest in and in getting involved in wagers college bet it doesn't really show itself until march because the, the ncaa tournament is arguably the second largest event that gravitates to the casual better behind the super bowl everyone's going to watch the super bowl everyone's going to put ten dollars on a bracket pool in your office to to participate and now that you have legal wagering this is another example of the casual better knowing something that oh i've done this in a bracket pool now i have the option to do this by maybe wagering on a future maybe wagering on a specific game if that game calls to them and it brings them into it brings them into the fold 
and going forward you will see maybe that better branch out into other areas when when the nfl season rolls around and the nfl as you know from with the saints the nfl has a marketing machine that is light years ahead of the ncaa so the sports books and the sports book operators are going to try and retain that customer when he comes in and then it becomes a year-round cycle where they maybe follow college basketball more closely where they follow the nfl and it just becomes this you know from from sport to sport to sport that they're drawn to various aspects for wagering miss altruda with us for a couple more minutes do you see any particular bet being maybe the most popular bet right now for these final four games you know wagering on one team over another or over under or anything of that nature is there any one out there right now that seems to be the most popular I would believe that eventually Duke is going to wind up garnering the majority of the volume of bets, maybe as well as the volume of the handle. It's very hard to avoid the Coach K narrative, and with good reason. He will retire as the all-time winningest Division One men's coach. He has a chance to win his sixth title. He's at his 13th Final Four, which moved him past John Wooden. There are so many facets to his career that it's impossible to avoid hearing about it and you have you have a chance where he walks off into the sunset with a title that's very hard to pull away from even as an average sports better let alone an average sports fan you the desire to see the narrative completed as you think it's going to happen is going to be one that will play out, and it will play out in terms of betting popularity. Yep, you got four programs that have collectively won 17 NCAA basketball championships that are here, and something's got to give. And and finally, just as an observer, do you have one team that you think is the team to beat amongst these final four teams? I think it, it usually comes down to the team with the biggest talent upside and that always winds up being for more years than not it winds up being duke i think north carolina when it show when it plays together at this level and through through the four games to get to new orleans it clearly has i brady manic has become the outside compliment to armando backlot that i think hubert davis envisioned all year kansas is different in the sense that when you look at this team, it does not scream the elite Kansas talent of years past, but Bill Self has done a good job coaching this team as close to its talent ceiling as he arguably could. Villanova just find, has just found a way this year. This I thought Villanova, you know, being a Big East, following the Big East closely as a Marquette grad, you always know you're going to get some quality for Jay Wright again. Much like Bill Self, Jay Wright has done a quality coaching job this year because there was a ceiling to this team that was readily apparent with Justin Moore. You lose Justin Moore, he can still plug someone in, but there's Villanova is greater than the sum of its parts. And to Jay's, Jay Wright's credit, he has got that team playing at that level well above the sum of its parts. And now it falls on Colin Gillespie to be even better, which may be a tougher ask given how well Kansas is doing the same thing in that other semifinal. Yep, but I think it keeps coming back to Duke 
because that that talent ceiling is very very high, and those and those kids have shown also to play at that level. Those games against Michigan State and Texas Tech were two very high quality second halves that they put together. Chris Altruda, appreciate the time. It's going to be a fun weekend here in New Orleans. And listen, uh, we look forward to something that's going to be very special here. Keep up the good work. Appreciate your time, Ken. Thanks for having me. You got it, Chris. Thank you. All right, we'll take a brief time out. 504-260-1061 to join in the conversation. When we return, we'll visit with Mitchell Johnson, the high school coach of Villanova's Caleb Daniels at St. Aug. As all access continues for Wednesday night here on 1061 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day. Schwander Hutchinson Roofing Incorporated is your source for expedient yet professional roofing services in New Orleans and surrounding areas. Our primary goal is 100% customer satisfaction, so we go above and beyond for each and every customer to ensure long-lasting business relationships. We offer warranties ranging from 25 years to full lifetime. To learn more about the services provided by Schwander Hutchinson Roofing, visit shroofing.com. Chase loves soccer. I'm Chase Greer and I'm 12 years old. And his dream is to turn pro. That's why Chase and his family make sure he's always having fun and squeezing out his best with GoGo Squeeze. Okay, buddy, let's break for a GoGo Squeeze. GoGo Squeeze fruit on the go pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. That's my boy! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best in them. Squeeze out their best with GoGo Squeeze. Not a low calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Hey, this is Eric Church. It's almost time to gather again. Join CMA Entertainer of the Year, Eric Church, on the Gather Again Tour, Saturday, April 9th, 2022, Smoothie King Center. Eric Church Live. I cannot wait to get back on the road and play live music with good friends. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. For my record year. Gather Again with Eric Church. Saturday, April 9th, 2022, Smoothie King Center. The new three record project, Heart and Soul. Records out now. Don't miss the Gather Again Tour with Eric Church. In 2020, we made the decision to rename the Privateer Club 
the Privateer Scholarship Fund. The primary reason is simple. We want our current donors, potential donors, and the greater New Orleans community to know exactly where their support is going to fund the scholarships of our Privateer student-athletes, including our plans to add and fund future athletic programs. Participating in the Privateer Scholarship Fund will include some exclusive benefits. To learn more about the Privateer Scholarship Fund, visit UNOPrivateers.com. Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. Andy Dalton has agreed to a one-year deal with the Saints, reportedly including $3 million guaranteed. Dalton, 11 NFL seasons at quarterback, 9 with the Bengals, 1 each in Dallas and Chicago. Jameis Winston, Blake Bortles, Ian Book also on the roster. At the NFL owners' meetings in Palm Beach, Florida, Saints coach Dennis Allen said Taysom Hill will be moved, likely to be used at tight end, no longer at quarterback. NFL owners approved a modified proposal for overtime yesterday that will guarantee each team a possession, but only in the postseason. With seven games left, the Pelicans start a four-game road trip in Portland tonight. They are in ninth presently in the Western Conference. The Pelicans have signed guard Jared Harper from G League Birmingham. In college basketball, Matt McMahon brings a top player with him from Murray State to LSU. Point guard Justice Hill transferring. He averaged 13.4 points, 5.1 assists for the Racers last season. College baseball, New Orleans drilled Tulane 14-5. LSU wall up ULM 15-4. Nickel State down Lamar 5-2. Louisiana over Southeastern Louisiana 6-4. Softball, Xavier swept Jarvis Christian 5-0 and 9-1. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport. For CrescentCitySports.com, I'm Ken Trahan. This is where you get all access. Not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Welcome back to the show. Ken Trahan with you on this Wednesday night again. Stay dry. Be safe. Do not make any mistakes. If you don't have to drive, don't do it. Well, the Final Four come into town, and one of the great stories about that is the fact that Caleb Daniels is returning. And obviously, this is a player we know a lot about. I was fortunate to cover Caleb in high school when he was at St. Augustine High School. He was a second-team All-State performer and the most valuable player of the Catholic League in 2017. And his varsity coach was Mitchell Johnson at St. Aug, and he knew that Johnson was going to be a, a, Mitchell Johnson knew that Daniels was going to be a special player. You know, if you read my story at CrescentCitySports.com, you'll see Mitch's comments about how Johnson's, you know, saw the work ethic of Caleb Daniels, and that's what really separated him early on. But also the fact that Daniels is a student of the game, and he's a really good student in the classroom. Uh, one feeds the other. And both traits are obvious with the young man, and clearly that also sets Caleb Daniels apart. Look, Daniels was really good at St. Aug, was recruited by Tulane, by Mike Dunleavy, and he went to Tulane, and he played well at Tulane. His first two seasons as a freshman was a contributor for Coach Dunleavy, 6.4 points. But then his sophomore season, he really blossomed. For the Green Wave, he averaged 16.9 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 3.3 assists for the Wave. But then Dunleavy was dismissed, and Ron Hunter was hired. Initially, Daniels talked nicely about Hunter, but then he got to be friends with a Villanova player or two, and the coaching change certainly had an impact. The losing at Tulane had an impact. And he decided he was going to transfer to Villanova. 
was a better pill to swallow because we all loved seeing Caleb Daniels in his hometown playing for his hometown team at Tulane. But we understand what went on there. And it's very hard to criticize him or to question what he did. All you need to do is look at the end result. It's pretty obvious he's in the Final Four for one of the best programs in the country at Villanova. So Caleb Daniels goes to Villanova, and he has to sit out a year because of the transfer. That's how much he wanted the opportunity to play for one of the best programs in the country and one of the best coaches in the country in Jay Wright. So in his junior season at Villanova, Daniels averaged 9.6 points a game for a good team. This season, Daniels is averaging 10.2 points, 3.8 rebounds per game. He's played in every game, started twice, and he shoots nearly 38% from three-point range. There's all that to consider, but now there's the other factor to consider. Junior guard Justin Moore of the Wildcats tore his right Achilles tendon in the Elite Eight win over Houston. Terrible time for that to happen. What a shame for the young man. But the end result is that Caleb Daniels will be asked to fill the slack. He's going to step into the starting lineup when Villanova plays Kansas this Saturday. Kansas, of course, the only top seed to make it to the Final Four. The other matchup, Duke and North Carolina. And, of course, full coverage at CrescentCitySports.com. What sets Daniels apart? Look, when I saw him in high school, several things came to mind. Number one, he was unselfish. Number two, he let the game flow and he let the game come to him. Number three, when he needed to turn it on and score the ball, he could do it. He could flip the switch and do that. When he was at St. Augustine, he wasn't a guy that took 20 shots a game. He was a guy that was more like 10 to 15 a game and selective in that process. But as Mitchell Johnson told me, if he was shooting at 10 times, he was making 7 or 8. If he was shooting at 15 times, he was making 8 or 10. So he was taking good shots, and he was making shots, and he was making his team better in the process and facilitating others on the team to be able to not only get involved, but to score the basketball. Now, Daniels was a versatile player in high school. He's remained that way. You know, he could line up, you know, with his back to the basket and make plays and score the ball, or he could face up and shoot jumpers or put the ball on the floor and get where he wanted to go off the bounce and score as well. So he could play in the post. He could play the perimeter, wherever you wanted him to play. And he would be successful and an impactful player. And that's really the guy he's been at Villanova. In the Sweet 16, Villanova had to beat Michigan, and that involved a player at Michigan, Devontae Jones, another former St. Augustine player. And so Daniels and Jones went against each other. Mitchell Johnson really enjoyed that, watching two of his former players go head-to-head against each other. Couldn't lose, right? Somebody had to win, so he was going to be successful regardless and get a winner out of that as he did. And Caleb Daniels is a winner which is why he is where he is right now and learning a lot in the process. Veteran player playing for one of the great coaches in college basketball in Jay Wright. 
So when you look at the final four teams this weekend, there is one team, one with a local rooting interest. That is Villanova. So it'd be great to see the Wildcats win without Justin Moore. It's going to be tough, and they're underdogs against Kansas, who just look great, as I mentioned earlier, against Miami, in particular in the second half. Kansas is long, deep, tough. They beat Villanova earlier this year. So they're favored for a reason. And obviously, Kansas, in my mind, is the favorite to win it all. That's why they're the only number one seed left in the tournament. Duke, North Carolina, who knows? Played twice. We all know about North Carolina winning most recently at Duke. Mike Krzyzewski, his final run. Well, I mean, this is a tough one. Carolina's playing really well. Duke's playing really well. Krzyzewski's last year. The sentimental part says go with Krzyzewski. But again, I can see this game going either way. I mean, I think it's just a really good matchup. And ironically, the first time ever that these two storied ACC programs will actually collide in the NCAA tournament. That's a very unusual statistic. You would have thought that somewhere along the line with these two programs, as often as they get to March Madness, would have run into each other. But it did not happen, at least up until now. That's really amazing. It finally happens. It happens here in New Orleans, where there have been many, and I mean many, great Final Four games. Looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing Caleb Daniels back in his hometown. We'll take a time out here back with our final segment on the New Orleans Pelicans. When we continue in just a moment, Ken Trahan, all access for a Wednesday night here on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Since 1935, the All-State Sugar Bowl has been a proud New Orleans New Year's Day tradition. Through its annual support of college football and amateur sports, the Sugar Bowl attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors to the state, providing countless opportunities for young people. Resources from these events enable the Sugar Bowl to support education and community programs impacting thousands of New Orleans area teachers and citizens. The All-State Sugar Bowl, proud to host the best of the Big 12 and the SEC in the Superdome on New Year's Day. We interrupt this programming to bring you a live update from Treasure Hunters at Hidden Gems Live. Let's go to lead archaeologist Sandy Abair. We have discovered an ancient stone box with carvings of gems on it, and our team is about to open the box now. It appears we have discovered an entire gem family of scratch-off games from the Louisiana Lottery. Get your shine on with $1 Ruby 5s, $2 Sapphire 7s, $5 Emerald 8s, and $10 Diamond 10s, where you can win up to $200,000. Must be 21 to purchase. Top service, locally owned, outstanding deals, conveniently located, professionals motivated to sell where the customer comes first. That describes the experience at Premier Automotive Group, where you'll find the best prices anywhere on Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Kia. Premier Automotive offers a warranty for life on its vehicles and a money-back guarantee. Visit my friend Troy Duhon at one of his outstanding dealerships, Toyota of New Orleans, Premier Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Premier Honda in New Orleans, Premier Nissan in Metairie, and Premier Kia in Kenner. At Auctioner, we are relentless about delivering the highest level of specialized care in the Gulf South. This is why we transformed our Elmwood location into an innovative and patient-centered institute. This new center offers comprehensive orthopedic services under one roof, performing robotic surgery, same-day total joint surgery, and game-changing sports medicine treatments. 
Ochsner Hospital for Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, now open in Elmwood. Visit ochsner.org forward slash Elmwood to learn more. Conventional wisdom said we couldn't make a 400 horsepower sedan that's also a plug-in hybrid. At Volvo, we don't follow conventional wisdom. The all-new Volvo S60. Learn more at volvocars.com forward slash US. To experience our idea of luxury, visit Bergeron Volvo on Vets in Metairie or online at bergeronvolvo.com today. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have constructive dialogue on all access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM NASH ICON at NASHFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call at 504-260-1061. Our final segment begins for a Wednesday night. Ken Trahan with you here on 106.1 FM NASH ICON. And, of course, the New Orleans Pelicans open a four-game road trip with seven games to play starting tonight at Portland against the Blazers. The Lakers, they lost last night. So here's where we're at heading into play tonight. The Pelicans are ninth in the West at 32-43 and 43 with seven games left. If you're thinking about eighth, a pretty tall task. The Clippers are four and a half clear of the Pelicans. Yes, New Orleans does have the Clippers on this trip. But to catch the Clippers, they need to pretty much win out and hope the Clippers lose about three or four games. So, actually, five games. But I don't think that's going to happen. So pretty much dismiss that. Pelicans in the ninth spot, which is where they want to end up. They're one game ahead of both the Spurs and Lakers right now. Pelicans 32-43. and 43. Spurs are, and Lakers are both 31-44. and 44. The Lakers heading south. They've lost three in a row. As mentioned, they lost again last night. And again, you know, it just looks to me like that's a team that's coming apart at the seams, a team that isn't going anywhere this year. Dallas beat them last night. 128 to 110 was the final in that one. And of course, most notable, LeBron James didn't play. Had the injury in the game against the Pelicans. He kept playing with that ankle, but obviously it's bothering him. And they got beat by Dallas last night. Malik Monk had 28. Westbrook had 25. They've got nobody else, basically. Of course, Dallas has Luka Doncic. He's okay. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. What else is new? But the Lakers lose, and as a result, you know they're in a situation now where they're in a flat-footed tie with the Spurs for that 10th spot. And I think San Antonio is going to get it. I think the Pelicans are going to make it. And I think San Antonio is going to get in too. That's as I see it. But the Pelicans have a tough road. Four-game road trip with the Final Four being in town. And as mentioned, it opens with Portland tonight. Then the Lakers on Friday night. Will LeBron play? Is Anthony Davis even pondering coming back? Then the Clippers on Sunday. They stay in Los Angeles to the Pelicans and play the Clippers. And then the road trip concludes at Sacramento. Pelicans have to win at least two on this road trip. If they win three, they'll be in great shape. 
So then after the road trip, they come home and play Portland again before playing Memphis and Golden State. The latter two are most interesting because the question is, what will Memphis and what will Golden State have to play for? That is a great question because if they have secured the spots they're going to have in the playoffs, why would they go all out in either one of those games? So that's the great unknown at this point. Portland looks to be playing out the string. Pelicans need to sweep them. Lakers, as I mentioned in disarray, Pelicans need to beat them. That's three wins right there. So then you look at the rest. Again, the unknown, Memphis and Golden State. But you're at Sacramento. Sabonis is out for the year. They're going nowhere. I know it's on the road. But that's a game you got to win. Well, that's four. That gives you four out of seven. That will be enough to get you in the playoffs one way or the other. The question is, will it be enough to get you in that nine spot rather than the ten spot? Either way, I do believe the Pelicans are going to be in the postseason in one of those play-in spots. They just happen to benefit from a year where the Western Conference just wasn't very good. Or at least, I should say, wasn't deep. Good at the top, obviously, but nowhere near the kind of depth we've seen in recent years. And it puts New Orleans in a really good spot. If Trey Murphy can continue to produce the way he's producing to give New Orleans another weapon off the bench, Jose Alvarado gets the new contract. He's secure. He's been a godsend, giving this team tremendous energy in play. Willie Hernan Gomez giving them... Solid contribution when he's called upon off the bench. Najee Marshall playing defense, occasional scoring off the bench. And then, of course, the starters. When you got Ingram and you got McCollum and you got Valanchunas on the floor together, that's a potent offense. That's tough for others to deal with. I think we saw that against the Lakers. Make no mistake about it, the Lakers don't defend, but that's a potent New Orleans offense when there's three guys together are playing, and they're clicking. Herb Jones has helped, obviously. Devontae Graham's a wild card. When he shoots it pretty well, it's a dangerous team. So there's a lot to like, but they've got to get the job done. Starting in Portland tonight, we'll see if the Pelicans are able to do so. Surely looking forward to seeing if they can pull it off. Look, if they play the way they've been playing, I think they do get it done, and I think they win. But again... It is still a bit of a young team, so you're not totally sure what you're going to get other than the fact that you're going to get really good effort because that has been an absolute constant under Willie Green. Pelicans at Portland tonight. That's going to do it for us tonight. Our time has pretty much expired. We want to thank our guest tonight. We want to thank all of you for listening. We want to thank our sponsors for helping Make it possible. Tomorrow night, we'll have Life Resources Bottom Line Sports Hour followed by Archbishop Rommel Baseball as the Raiders take on the Jesuit Blue Jays. So that's coming up tomorrow night here following Inside New Orleans with Eric Asher. We thank you for joining us tonight. For Rudy Dixon, I'm Ken Trahan. Thank you and be a good sport. God bless you one and all. We are rounding third. And heading home, so long.
Thanks for listening to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best prep sports site in Louisiana with the state's best prep football scoreboard. All Access was also presented by the All-State Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis.